Welcome to Prime Time. This week, Prime Cuts. What's happening with Mr. Speaker? Hello, and welcome to Prime Cuts, where we talk backbench business and answer the questions you didn't know you had about modern British politics. I'm John. I'm Rob. And I'm Cass. And today we are doing an emergency podcast on the recent happenings in Parliament and the controversy about the Speaker. Indeed we are. Welcome everyone to what I thought wouldn't be a very common thing, but actually we're doing more emergency podcasts than I expected. We've got another one on the Speaker today because a lot happened last week. For reference, we're recording this on the Saturday, whereas the shenanigans were on Wednesday night. The chicanery. There was a huge amount of chicanery. And like so many things, it's a very interesting time because we've had a huge amount of drama. But because it's Parliament, it's a kind of drama that's incredibly complicated and most people don't really understand. So we're going to try to have a look into exactly what went on, why it matters and what happens next. So basically what happened on Wednesday night was there was a debate that's quite normal. But what happened was the speaker, who is the person who presides over the chamber, normally in a sort of administrative way, just keeping order, but the speaker has to make a few decisions. And the speaker made a decision that was incredibly controversial. One of the reasons it was incredibly controversial is that the speaker is meant to be, unlike some speakers in some parliaments, our speaker is meant to be completely impartial. They're not conservative, they're not Labour, they are supposed to represent a sort of bastion of of political neutrality. Exactly, they are meant to represent the House and all MPs rather than any particular party. They, of course, enter the House as MPs, normal MPs from a political party, but once you're elected speaker, you're meant to drop all that and become completely impartial. And the headline for this whole event was that the Labour Party was in a very, very difficult political position. The Speaker made a very unusual and unexpected decision, which had the effect of getting Labour out of this very difficult position that they were in. And And that's the controversy. And the Speaker used to be a Labour politician. Yes. That was going to be my question. Indeed, which has only added to all the drama. So I think we'll have a little sort of chat about exactly what the difficulty that that the Labour Party was in first, what the decision was, how they got out of it, and how that decision may have been taken. So should we start off with a little chat about what exactly the pickle that the Labour Party was in was? Yes, please. So this all comes down to something called opposition days. So most of the parliamentary timetable is controlled by the government. When MPs come in in the morning and they take a look at the agenda, what's written on the agenda is what the government wants. The government's decided what they're going to discuss that day. The debate they're going to hold, the bill they're going to discuss, the motions they're going to carry, whatever it is, the government writes it. Except for a certain number of times a year, there are these things called opposition days, when everything gets flipped on its head and the agenda paper gets given to the opposition and they can decide what gets talked about. And this is one of those things that's governed by convention, is it? It is governed by the standing orders of the House, I believe. So it's an actual rule. Ah, okay. A real rule. We have lots of conventions. We do have some real rules. And so what the rules are is that the opposition gets days where they get to write the agenda. Sorry, and when you say the opposition? This is in even greater subdivision. The days are divided. Ten days get given to the biggest opposition party, the Labour Party at the moment as the biggest opposition party, but three days are given to the second biggest opposition party, in this case, the Scottish National Party. 
Oh, is that our second biggest? Indeed. As of the 2015 election, it had been the Liberal Democrats with the... I, I thought it was the Lib Dems, yeah. Yeah, the Lib Dems were the third biggest party for about 100 years. And then they sacrificed their future on the altar of government Indeed, by yes. joining a coalition. Yeah. And then they got thumped by that. Yeah. yeah. And then the SNP took, it, took the third spot. Okay, intriguing. But there are also other days... Or are all of the remaining days the government's? Some of the other days are given to something called the Backbench Business Committee, which is <gasps> when... Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Backbench Business. That's exactly what it is. Um, where there is a committee of people who aren't on the front benches, who aren't in the cabinet or the shadow cabinet. Because the idea was that if you just had opposition days that were given to the shadow front bench, that's still the shadow cabinet making decision. It's still the people who want to be the ministers and actually the backbenchers, the people who aren't ministers or shadow ministers, also needed a bit of time. So they get a few days as well. The, the sort of thinking behind this is that the British parliamentary system is designed to be very oppositional. There's supposed to be a lot of people crashing into each other. And so the idea that the backbench business committee encourages sort of backbench versus frontbench, that you've got opposition versus government, that you've got other oppositions. This is all about trying to set up conflict, essentially. Parliament's very binary. Yes, it's very yes or no, government opposition, frontbench, backbench. Everything's very sh- no, no real shades of grey. It sets up very binary choices. So what had happened this time is that this was one of the three days given to the SNP. It was their turn. To, oh. Yes, it wasn't even a Labour thing. And that is really where part of the difficulty is. It was one of their three days a year. Yes. So it was a big moment for them. And the debate that they had chosen, they had chosen to bring a debate on the Israel-Gaza situation. And the way that these debates often work is that other parties can not only debate and decide to vote yes or no at the end, they can also bring their own suggested questions And so the motion that the SNP had brought was quite detailed. Mm -hmm. It was a big question that involved calling for a ceasefire, doing various um, criticism of the actions on the ground, calling for aid. But what happens in these situations is not only can MPs vote yes or no to what they think at the end, they can also submit suggested alternative questions. So you don't even necessarily have to vote yes or no to the actual question. You can say, actually, I think we should change the question and I'll bring another question. So basically all the parties did this. The Conservative Party suggested their own alternative question. Labour suggested their alternative question. And the Lib Dems brought their alternative question. So by a question, you mean as in to the House, like, should we do a ceasefire in these three circumstances? And that's what the SNP suggested. And then Labour were like... Our question is, should we do a ceasefire in these two circumstances? And then, okay, right. That is basically exactly it, yeah. But the decision that the Speaker made that was controversial is this. So all parties bring their suggested alternative questions to the table. But as we've mentioned in a couple of previous episodes, not everything that gets proposed in the House of Commons actually gets debated or discussed. Mm-hmm. A lot of it just goes straight in the bin. They're like, we have no time to even debate this. There's so much going on in the bin. And the person who makes the decision about which amendments and which suggestions actually get voted on is the Speaker. Mm -hmm. And the Speaker has ultimate authority. They can decide whatever they want. They can select, they can reject, they can say, let's talk about this, let's not talk about that. Gosh, okay, that's quite a powerful role. Hugely powerful. But it is governed by convention. Yes. That is, there are are very specific expectations about what they will and won't do. Okay. And it's one of those things where everybody... 
has to be able to trust that the speaker isn't going to abuse the system. Mm-hmm. So right, they, course, have to, yeah. they have to always try and pick the amendments that represent the thrust of the debate, the amendments that represent the variety of point of view, that sort of thing. It's a very difficult role because they have to mm. make sure that they don't appear partisan. That's exactly it. And the really tight convention on days like this is the SNP have brought their motion yep. on their opposition day. The Speaker will select the government alternative. That's it. Right. So one from the opposition side, one from the government side, nothing else. The Labour amendment, the Labour suggested question, would normally not be selected. It would just be ignored. Because it's not their day, and this is the SNP's opportunity Mm -hmm. to be opposed to the government. Exactly. So normally, the government brings stuff, and the opposition opposes it. On these weird opposition days, everything's back to front. So the SNP brought something, and the government would oppose it. Question quotes oppose it. What happened was, was that the Speaker also chose the Labour amendment. So So all three of them? All three amendments were now in play. And that's very unusual. That doesn't happen very much at all. Do you want to tell us what the amendments were? Yes, I certainly can. So if you look at the amendments, they are all very similar in terms of the the potential views you could have on the situation. They're not that different. But there were a few differences, slight changes of emphasis, a bit about apportioning blame slightly differently, Mm -hmm. different versions of exactly how this ceasefire could and couldn't come about. Not trivial differences, but quite small differences. Okay. But the situation was that the Labour Party is, at the moment, very divided on this. Yeah. Its MPs are divided, its activists, large sections of its voting base are divided on it. And so the Labour Party was very worried about what to do. They didn't want to vote for the SNP motion because they thought it was a little bit tough. So it wanted to vote for something that was that, but slightly toned down. Not hugely, but a little bit. And that's why they presented their amendment that said what they wanted. But the problem with the parliamentary procedure was that the Labour motion that they thought the party could get behind normally wouldn't be selected. So when it comes to the vote, the question is, shall we approve the SNP's motion? Yeah. And Labour would probably say, yeah, no. Oh, okay, no. We we, we can't do it. It goes a bit too far. We're not we're not there. But lots and lots of Labour MPs are there would vote for it. Yeah. So and the Labour leadership was expecting a huge rebellion. Right. Labour were expecting a very big rebellion. If the only vote was on the SNP motion, the official line from Labour would be, let's either vote against it or abstain. But lots of Labour MPs would either wish to or feel a lot of constituency pressure to do it. So there would be a massive rebellion, possibly some resignations from the front bench. Really terrible, terrible look. The party would be torn apart, torn in two. It would be very, very difficult to rebuild and Labour really didn't want to have to face this vote. Just just before an election. Just before an election, exactly. And so the controversial decision that the Speaker made was to select the amendment, to allow there to be a vote on the Labour amendment, meaning that, yes, Labour MPs could abstain or vote against the SNP amendment, but at least they could vote in favour of their amendment. They could put something on the record and say, I did vote for my quite similar amendment. Okay. And this basically let them off the hook. They were in a very difficult position if they could only vote on the SNP amendment, but then their amendment was selected, and so they could vote on their own. And it worked. People voted for it. We'll come to that. Ah, okay. And and in the process of doing this, it obviously massively increased the complexity of what everybody was voting for. Yeah, Um, yeah, it muddies the water, doesn't it? And it's going to split the vote, so it's really actually an unhelpful thing, surely. It's it's helpful in as much as the Labour motion gets voted on first. Okay. That's the weird thing. So 
the SNP brought the original question, but because Labour had their amendment selected, it gets voted on first. And if the House approves the Labour motion that comes first, that's it. That's, oh, that's the end. They basically. never get to the SNP. Exactly. And this was one of the reasons why the SNP were very, very cross, yeah. because they said, this is our day. We brought our thing. There should at least be a vote on the thing that we brought. Selecting the Labour amendment, putting it first, means that our stuff can just get ignored if the Labour motion gets passed. And, sorry, I thought the government was also supposed to have a motion somewhere. They did, but because of rules, it would come last. Right. Uh, sorry, last as in... After the After SNP. the SNP. So yes. it was supposed to go SNP Conservative, yep. and instead it went Labour SNP Conservative. So it's not yes. just that they got their thing on the table, it's that they jumped to the front of the queue. They, they jumped to the front of the queue with the possibility of thereby putting aside the SNP one with no vote on it at all. It would just get put off the table. So this caused a lot of anger and a lot of frustration for a number of ways. Firstly, both the Conservatives and the SNP are opposed to Labour. It's mm. quite odd, because again, as we were talking about this binary system, Parliament works very simply when we have a two-party system. But in Scotland, it's a three-party system. Mm. You have Labour, the SNP, and the Conservatives all fighting in different ways. And so even though Labour and the SNP sit on the same side of the House of Commons, in many parts of Scotland, they are the ones opposed to each other. Mm. They are the two that are actually fighting each other. They're not on the same side. And so both the Conservatives and the SNP thought it would be good to have this very embarrassing situation for Labour. And so they were both very cross when Labour managed to just get out of it. And that's really where the, the anger came in. And so the question is, why did it happen? Why did the Speaker make this very unusual decision? What does it mean for the partisanship or unpartisanship of the Speaker as well? Mm. And what's going to happen to Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker, personally? Because there's a lot of anger about that decision that was very unusual, very unprecedented, and really helped one political party get out of a tight spot. So then what was the f- what happened? So what happened in Parliament when the Speaker, at the beginning of the debate, announced that he had selected the Labour amendment, unexpectedly, very unusually, was that basically, bedlam broke out. Lots of shouting, lots of points of order, Lots of really order in the House just broke down as people started to really question and express a lot of anger at this decision. So there was a lot of parliamentary shenanigans beforehand as well. So the debate was delayed by 40 minutes or so, and Labour had managed to get the debate delayed using a bit of filibustering tactics. So a filibuster in Parliament is when you talk and talk and talk and talk and talk (laughs) and just wind down the clock talking about nothing. A lot of our American listeners will think 40 minutes is rubbish because the US Senate can filibuster things for days. Oh, God. We can't, we can't do it quite as well in the House of Commons because we've got ways of making our MPs shut up a bit, more, a bit more easily. But 40 minutes is a decent filibuster. We have a rule that you have to stay on topic, which is quite fun because... That oh, it's means- that game. It's like the game where you're like, talk about cheese for a minute, guys. Yes, it's like and just a minute. So there were a few ways that this sort of filibustering happened. So there was a minor procedural thing called a 10-minute rule motion, which is when someone basically just presents a bill. And normally everyone goes, okay, fine, you can present your bill, whatever. It's not it's not going to become law. It's just the very first stage you can do that. But Labour made a speech opposing it, forced a vote on it, which all takes up time. And then there was a good 20 minutes of points of order, just MPs standing mm. up to sort of make a complaint about the proceedings of the House. And then they would say something for about a minute and the speaker would go, okay, that's not a point of order, sit down. And then someone else would pop up, point of order, okay, your point of order. And this went on quite a long time. 
And so that delayed the start of the debate by about 40 minutes. And everyone was wondering why Labour was doing this. It was mm-hmm. all a bit odd. And then when the debate finally started and the Speaker said, I've selected the Labour Amendment, the feeling was that Labour MPs... Labour knew. Labour had been delaying, so they had more time to talk to the Speaker in private, put their case and really strong-arm him into selecting the amendment. But wasn't the Speaker in the room the whole time? There are deputy speakers as well who take over, so sometimes the deputy Speaker was there whilst the Speaker was in his office just just beside the chamber. Okay. That was very, very difficult, and then the debate started late, and then there was a lot of complaining at the beginning when he announced that he'd selected the amendment. Then everything sort of calmed down and the debate happened as you'd expect. It was a bit heated, but it was a relatively normal parliamentary debate. But then at the end again, when people, when the votes were coming, people started to get, again, particularly angry, lots more points of order, some really impassioned speeches from the SNP demanding that the Speaker come back because he wasn't in the chamber at that point. It was the Deputy Speaker had retaken the chair. They were saying, where is he? He needs to come to the chamber to explain. There was real, real mm-hmm. anger because the SNP felt that they had a, a good a good point to make. They had a good opportunity to embarrass the Labour Party. They had a good opportunity to get some strength with their own supporters of what they wanted. And this had been taken away. Their opposition day had basically been taken away from them by this choice. So they debated the Labour Amendment. You, th- you said then if they passed the Labour Amendment, they wouldn't go on to debate the Indeed. other two. So what happened with that? So what happened goes back to the recent episode we had on divisions mm. and voting. And I must say it's not something... I've ever seen before in Parliament, because the Labour amendment did get passed. And you'd think, well, how? If yeah. if the Tories and the SNP would probably vote against Surely they it. they would make up a majority there. Indeed they would. And what happened was something that I've never seen before, which comes back to a question that you asked, John, in the Divisions episode, which is when people shout I and no, who decides which side has <gasps> won? Who decides whether or not there should be a division? The Speaker. The Speaker or in this case, the deputy speaker, the person in the chair. And what happened was the deputy speaker took the vote. She said, shall we pass the Labour amendment? All the ayes, and then everyone shouted aye. All the noes, lots of people shouted no. And then she said, the ayes have it. You can't do that. I thought that that requires a division. Exactly. It is quite extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it. So That's, That is potentially a huge abuse of power. It's it's incredibly controversial. And immediately afterwards, there were more points of order, this time from Conservative MPs, basically going, sorry, what? We all shouted no. And she had said, there was a lot of noise. I thought everyone was shouting aye. Which... No. This is tremendously damaging to politics. It's it's a little difficult to believe that that's what she thought. It It looks very odd. Not only does it look very odd, you can hear people shouting no, even if you just hear noise... That suggests it's still, disagreement. At the time you say all the no's, exactly. you'd, you'd want to shut up if you were an eye, wouldn't you? Yes. And also, even regardless of the noise, the whole point of the debate for hours had been how furious that people were that the Labour amendment had been selected it's in the so first place. It's clear that there was a division in that scenario. Exactly. It's very unusual. So, Adam, you told us in divisions that if, if this happens and people just people then just quite often just keep shouting no until they're kind of forced to have a division, is yeah. this what happened? Well, no. So people, some people shouted aye, then people started shouting no, then just both sides were shouting at each other for a few seconds, the usual, like, we're in disagreement. But she just said, no, the eyes have it, the eyes have it. Moving on. Which is completely... It just moved on. Yes. And so the record says the question was put, passed without a division. Which is remarkable. So we've got a couple of really unusual things that happened. That's actually slightly terrifying. Yeah. This 
potentially represents the sort of abuse of the system that could really, really damage the nature of democracy in this country. It's also a stupid move for the Labour Party, because although it would have looked bad for them to be divided as a party, now they seem corrupt. And they've got an election coming up. So that's two very controversial things that happened. The amendment was selected, and then the vote was or the vote that should have happened, didn't happen. And so the questions really are, why? Why these decisions were, were made and, and who made them? And so the first one that people are talking about is, is bias. There is certainly something that looks questionable, at least on the face of it, of a Labour speaker and a Labour deputy speaker making these decisions that really benefited the Labour Party to other people's expense. But there are some other questions at play. And so one of the main ones is security. Okay. So the speaker came back later in the evening to make, amazingly, an apology. I've never seen, really, a speaker yeah, just make a real, almost tearful apology to the House. And what he was talking about was security and even the physical safety of members of Parliament. So this debate is a very controversial one. There were protests outside Parliament, as you'd expect. Mm. But we've had lots of other things. We've had an MP is standing down recently because their office was firebombed about this. Um, uh, someone else couldn't take their family to their own house because it was being picketed by protesters and the police had to get rid of the protesters, but they just couldn't, they had to just stay away from their own house. Um, the the event that the speaker referenced in his apology was that he had been the speaker when the phone call came in that Sir David Amos, a Conservative MP, had been murdered a few years ago because of his views and his voting record in Parliament. So the one of these reasons that we sort of see is that the Speaker and the House authorities ultimately thought this is such a intense, really, really controversial debate that's causing so much anger and passions, but also what the House of Commons says ultimately doesn't hugely make a difference to what actually happens on the ground. So maybe these were decisions to either allow the Labour Party to say what they voted for, because part of the problem with this binary system is that you can vote no to a motion. Okay, great. But that means you can't always vote yes to Mm. something else. It's very difficult to explain exactly what you want. Parliament's not very good at nuance. It's very difficult, especially as we saw during Brexit, it's quite difficult to come up with a huge range of options and MPs can pick the nuanced version that they want. It's very much, here's a question or here are two questions, yes or no. And some MPs go, well, no to both, but yes to something. I just Mm. don't have the opportunity to say yes to something because it's not in front of us. And so maybe the Labour amendment was selected so that could happen, which might be fair enough. And maybe Parliament should get a lot better at having more questions, more views, a more nuanced range of options that MPs can vote for. But then the question of whether the way that that should happen is just the Speaker making a unilateral decision on a very, very controversial topic on a very specific day is that the best way to bring in this new change? Well, probably not, because it's going to be incredibly controversial when it happens. And also, maybe the reason that these votes were just nodded through, even though there were clear shouts of no, was just, let's just stop this debate. Let's just calm it down so we can all get out of here physically safely. There were a couple of different messages. So it started off with the Speaker saying, I've chosen the Labour Amendment to allow for a greater range of views quite a sudden unilateral decision, but at least that was one reason. The Speaker said, I think there should be more views, and I will ask the Procedure Committee, 
one of the many committees that exist in the House of Commons, this one examines the procedures of the House, I want them to look at whether or not more options should be provided as a matter of course. Okay, great. But again, maybe you should ask them to do a report and then the House can vote on the report rather than just imposing a new way of doing things completely unexpectedly. But then later in the evening, the reasoning had turned more into the security and the safety of members. Whatever the House of Commons said wouldn't make a huge difference on the ground, so let's just not have any votes. Let's just nod through whatever, and then we can just stop. There's just no getting around the fact that essentially the Speaker did something as an intervention that was incredibly convenient for one political party at the expense of the other. other political parties, yeah. And so really, even if there are good motivations behind it, it will always be seen like that, and that is very much the controversy. And the problem is that this loses sight of the real issue. Now, the real issue mm. is Israel and, and what's going on in Gaza at the moment is is being lost in this... Just this, yeah, just this kind of back and forth of of shouting. This is exactly a criticism that came out, which is that this is a very important issue, it's a very serious issue, the House of Commons maybe should come to an opinion, but either way, they just made it all about themselves. Yeah. That's so, yeah. definitely something that they're kind of all to blame for, in the sense that yeah. I think a lot of people then seized upon this as an opportunity to talk about that, rather than to talk about the actual thing at stake. So what happens now? So what happens now is that already there has been something called an early day motion, which is basically just the big parliamentary suggestion box. People bring motions that they would like to be debated. And someone has suggested that this House has no confidence in Mr. Speaker. Basically a we think the Speaker should go motion. What happens when you suggest these motions is that people people can sign them. Other MPs can go, oh yeah, I agree. I think we should debate this. So far, at time of recording on Saturday evening, that motion has about 70 MPs have signed it. Gosh, it's about 10% of the House. Over 10% of the House. Bearing in mind that the one of the last times this happened was a couple of speakers ago, and that speaker resigned when it reached about 20. So we're up to 70. So it's, oh. it's, it's, a, it's a lot, um, because it's a really big move for anyone to say that the speaker should go anyway. It's a bit like leadership challenges in your party. As soon as there is a leadership challenge that almost means you've lost anyway. Yeah, it sort of undermines, yeah. Exactly. Even if you win the leadership vote, fundamentally the fact that enough people have decided it's time to have a vote against you, the clock's ticking. And so Lindsay Hoyle has not said he's going to resign. He's clearly fighting for his position. He wants to stay. But it's very, very perilous. And we're recording on Saturday. Parliament comes back on Monday. We'll have to see what happens next week. But there is a big groundswell of anger from the Conservatives and the SNP about the decision that he made and whether or not he can be seen to be impartial anymore. And is it entirely focused on him or are the deputy speakers also involved? It is fundamentally entirely focused on him thus far. Um, They are, the speaker and the deputy speakers are a bit of a team, but the speaker is by far the the big head honcho. So, so far he's the one who's facing the, the criticism. But yeah, it is extraordinarily controversial and it's one of these stories that has managed to mix the dull and procedural the political dramatic and the very miserable sad human realities and behind the scenes pressure all in one story so it's definitely interesting but it's not very nice and fundamentally we'll have to see what happens now as i say parliament comes back on monday there's a speaker fighting for his political life there are lots of debates about what this means for Parliament, whether 
our division procedures will have to change. I mean, can we can we have a situation where a speaker can just decide a vote that clearly doesn't look like it? Uh, what the procedure committee may do with how opposition days happen, and then the situation in the Middle East itself is something that uh, clearly Parliament doesn't have a huge amount of control over, and how much say or interest many of the people have in those debates. Uh, maybe they are being slightly more blindsided by self-interest and uh, political expediency. Mm. So yes, that was a situation as it exists at the moment, as of about Saturday, of what's been going on in the House of Commons and the continued position of the Speaker and what may happen after that. Um, we will, of course, uh, keep you up to date with what happens in the days and weeks to come. If you do have any questions, do feel free to drop us a line. Uh, you can find our Twitter and email address in the show notes. And we will try to respond to any questions in a timely manner. Indeed. Thank you very much for listening. Um.